know, good to get a win. And um, and I got to say it, you know, Creed. I mean, we are – I'm getting my ankles taped pregame because I try to get them taped as late as possible, and I'm sitting there on the table, and suddenly it comes on. And Garrett Bradbury is doing some body work next to me, and he goes, forget this, I got to go with, go enjoy this with the boys. So he then gets up and goes in the locker room, and I get my ankles taped, and we go in there. It's just – it's really good morale, and then we go to we go to pray in the corner of the locker room with any guys that want to pray, and and we go prayer, you know, over here. And so we had to turn the creed off. And Harrison Smith made a great point. He said, "Guys, this is the prayer," and I thought that's that's pretty good. So uh, so yeah, we'll, we'll we'll keep playing. But they keep playing higher, and I'm going. Creed has a, a lot of hits. They got a good catalog. We don't have to only play higher, but they're taking us higher, so we'll take it. Kirk Cousins listening to Creed pregame whatever works whatever gets you in Oof. the spot where you can go out there and perform wouldn't have played in any of my locker rooms night. i know that <laughs> i'm not big on superstitions for the sake of superstition but i am big on routine i'm big on habit sure. i'm big on knowing what you did that set you up to do the thing you did after that you have a good day what did i do what was the thing that Set the table for that. He took That's Tuesday off just like he is today. Hey, take the Tuesday oh, off. Well, uh, Kirk, take Tuesday off today. You earned it, big boy. Tell Florio you got, you, know a, what? you got a scratch on your forehead. Hey, Florio. <laughs> here's, here's what I want Kirk to think about today. He took Tuesday off last week, I assume. So... He worked Wednesday, which was essentially Tuesday. Oh, right. Since they played uh, I see on where Monday, you're going. On Sunday. <laughs> so, Kirk, buddy, I'm wearing your jersey. It's got your name on the back. Think about this. You're halfway through the season, okay? Work every Tuesday. Change that habit because that extra time, whatever you did to study the 49ers defense, to understand the rules – to know who was going to be where in your passing game. Whatever extra time you were able to put in because you had that one additional day, think about how that fits into a seven-game turnaround, a seven-day, excuse me, instead of eight. So just, just submit it for your consideration, Kirk, maybe for half of the season as you chase the brass ring and you maybe think, hey, you know what, we beat an elite team. Maybe we do have something here. Maybe you work a few Tuesdays. Maybe just try one and see how it goes. Not this week. This week you probably will because he takes Tuesday off on Sunday to Sunday. So Monday, got to turn around and play on Sunday. Probably will work today. Can't just take the day after the game off when the Packers are coming and they need to go try to win that game. Next week when they're on Sunday to Sunday, maybe think about working on Tuesday. All right, it helps to have Jordan Addison. And and he needs to get – like I don't want him to get lost in the Kirk Cousins praise because without Addison – I don't think that happens last night. We broke down the long 60-yard catch and run for the touchdown, the unlikely score that put the Vikings up 16-7 at the half. But Addison is a fascinating player to me. I think about Randy Moss when he came into the NFL. Long and lean and, you know, catch radius and just different than everybody else. Look different. Justin Jefferson, kind of the same thing. Legs and arms and, you know, can do all sorts of things. Jordan Addison looks like a normal guy. Right. Jordan Addison looks skinny. Jordan Addison doesn't, when you look at him, you don't think. Specimen always. This guy's got the potential to be one of of the best receivers in the league. And I'm sure the raw speed has something to do with it. But you see him get hit and banged around. He had cramps. I knew he had cramps. You see a guy grabbing for his toe, 
he's got cramps. And he had to ultimately go to the locker room and get an IV for the cramps. But he he just, when it's time to go, he goes, he makes the catch. Kevin O'Connell was raving about him after the game. He was the fourth receiver taken in that one, two, three, four, boom, 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 boom in round one. And I was wondering, hey, you know, were the Vikings hoping for Jackson Smith and Jigba? Were they hoping for one of these other guys and they settled for Addison? There's a chance Addison was just the guy they wanted. And so far, he's been pretty damn good. Damn good. Damn good. And, you know, I, I to, to the last phrase you just there, said there, the guy they wanted, I think they like guys like this, right? You know, he's he's one, yes, he's not going to, like, blow you away where you go, oh, my gosh, his speed is unbelievable, but it's really good speed, right? You know, and then, of course, has good hands, but I think what, what separates him is – He's a great route runner. He is. That's where, for a rookie, he's special that way. And, of course, then understanding of, you know, he's smart enough to understand coverages, how to release, which way to go, do all those things. And I think that fits exactly what Minnesota wants. Justin Jefferson's the same way, except he's just more physically gifted and a bigger human than, than Jordan Addison. But I think they value that type of guy. You know, everybody has got their kind of how they like the receiver, the mold, how he plays, the physical body, whatever else. But this is, again, a guy in Kevin O'Connell rooted in that that Rams McVeighish system thought, you know, way of thought where, yeah, they want route runners more than anything because we're going to give you a, a, an unbelievable you know, route tree and you've got to do it all and we need you to do it at a high level and some of it's going to be double moves. So it's like the perfect marriage, Mike, of, of like what we talk about a lot of not only good player but the, the organization having an idea of what fits their system and that coming together the right way and – yeah, damn, they got one there, Mike. I mean, definitely. Right now, you sit there, he he's better than Jackson Smith and Jigba. There's no doubt about that. I mean, you know, they're they're playing Bobo out there more than they are Jackson Smith and Jigba in Seattle. So yeah, they they've hit something here with with Jordan Addison and his skill set. And it went Smith and Jigba to the Seahawks at twenty, Quentin Johnston to the Chargers at twenty one, Jay Flowers him. to the Ravens at twenty two, yeah, and Jordan Addison Vikings at twenty three. And it's that whole. You know, the Cooper Cup thing, it's why Justin Jefferson was so excited. That's right. When they hired Kevin O'Connell and we talked to him at the Super Bowl right after that because he's going to be the Cooper Cup of the Vikings offense. And now with Justin Jefferson out, who's the Cooper Cup? That's right. It's Jordan Addison. And, you know, on a day when everything is positive about the Vikings, I keep coming back to no contract extension for Jefferson. I just can't help but wonder whether they're thinking in lieu of paying this guy $30 million plus per year, Jordan Addison becomes the new Justin Jefferson, and we use that money. We use whatever draft picks we might get. Don't do it. Um, Don't do to, it. To, to, I know. I, I, after last night, after last night, and this segues into the next point. I agree with you. Don't do it. Get this guy paid now. And I think after last night, you go all maybe, in with this right here. You go all in and go. We have a chance to be an unbelievable offense, like we always talk about, right, Mike? And right. we got a chance to make a team go. Wait, we have to play a certain way against them because their offense and their passing game so good with these receivers and that tight end. It's trouble, right? That to me is where they're close to. And I, if I'm them, twenty twenty three football, I'm going all in on that idea. Right, and. What I'm thinking is, yeah. and I can't believe I'm about to say this, what I'm thinking is <laughs> you pick up the phone today and you call Mike McCartney, who represents Kirk Cousins, 
and you say, you know what? Let's stop this shit. Let's let's quit this dance, right? Let's just get something done. Let's get something done that works for everybody. You're 35 years old. You want to stay in Minnesota. You don't want to move. You you like the fact that your boys are seeing you play as they're getting old enough to fully appreciate it. You don't want to relocate anywhere else. Let's just go ahead and get this. You're close to Michigan. Yeah. Let's just go ahead and get this done now. Let's not screw around. Yeah. Let's not do a game of chicken Woo! that lasts through the rest of the season. Let's just go ahead and do this now. Because what what is it anyway? It's a three years, yeah. four years at the most. That's right. He's yeah. 35. Right. Let's, let's see this through and see if we can make it happen. And then they have a longer runway to plan whatever comes next. After last night, yeah. I can get behind it. Without last night, I'm thinking, you know what? They got to go find a Fran Tarkenton. Now I'm thinking, wait a minute. They got something here yeah. that they shouldn't just walk away from. I, yeah. And and it's funny. all that. And, and we were talking about this during the break, and I may have mentioned it during the last segment. I know that we have to cover – all the trade speculation and who's available and who's not. And anytime you hear one of the national reporters say that a team is receiving calls about a player, at least in one part of your brain, wonder whether or not they're using that reporter to get people to make calls. Right. Like, you know, like they're trying to generate a market. They're trying to see what's out there. And I've heard at times when one of the national reporters says somebody's receiving calls, actually they're making calls, but None of it matters until we get through week eight because with that win last night, you're not trading to Neil Hunter. And all the Kirk Cousins trade talk was all premised on a team that was falling apart. They're not falling apart. They're very much alive at three and four after beating the 49ers last night. So even if a starting quarterback on a shortlist contender suffers a season-ending injury this week, they're not trading Kirk Cousins to that team. Not after last night. That's why it – Yet you can't begin to have an intelligent conversation about deadline deals until you know who's in a position to sell and who's really ready to buy. Now, I I, I say all that knowing that Kevin Byard got traded yesterday. But for the Vikings, you know what they should be thinking about? They got one week left of the trade window. Who's out there that we could maybe add? Who's out there that could make us better? Who's out there that all of a sudden – Maybe it pushes us to a higher level. You know the first guy I thought of since the Titans seem to be in sell mode? How about Derrick Henry on the Vikings the rest of the way? How would you react? And I'm not saying just you, Chris. You who's listening or watching. How would you react if between now and next Tuesday, the word comes down that the Vikings traded for Derrick Henry? I mean, my first reaction would be, holy friggin' bleepity bleep bleep bleep. Now, who knows if it works? because I still remember Herschel Walker very vividly, but the Vikings are at least in a position where they can cast the net and look. Instead of being, who can we move, I think they owe it to themselves to now say, who can we get? I, 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 I think they got to certainly contemplate that a little bit. Well, last night's win, if they were thinking about being sellers or whatever else, is, is definitely going to complicate things. There's no doubt. I'm with you in one Week eight, we're not even at the halfway point in the NFL. The The trade deadline has to be moved back. With a 17-game season, an 18-week season now, right, it, it should be about week 10. I, I think that would be more of the fair, maybe 
trade deadline. And, and, and again, I think it would actually be better for the NFL and make it more exciting. And teams like you're talking about, I think we have another three games here to kind of let things filter out and you'd get more definitive action from teams, and it would be more headlines and trades and movement and the NFL dominating the news cycle. I know it does anyways, but it would just be that on steroids. So I hear you there. I think that's got to change. Um, now, you know, the, the thing you said about Kirk Cousins, you know, to get back to that, which I mean my jaw almost hit the, the floor there, um, but I hear you. I, I, I think, one, you know, it's – You've talked about it all the time. The NFL draft is a crapshoot. It's a crapshoot. As much as we all, everybody thinks, oh, Caleb Williams, Caleb Williams, I don't know. I mean, hey, you saw the last two weeks in, in college football, and he didn't play good against Notre Dame. It was crazy, not good. You know, Utah, of course, they lose that football game. Uh, and I know it was good, but not great, right? You don't know what you're going to get there. You don't. I also, Mike, will ask you, doesn't it seem like, it seems like Kevin O'Connell really likes Kirk Cousins. I don't get the sense that it's like, oh, he says the right things about him, but doesn't really like him. You know, again, for that great offensive mind, why the McVeighs and the Shanahans like Kirk Cousins so much is because he can handle 70 million rules and plays and checks and all that, and he can listen and do it, you know, for the most part the right way. So I don't know, Mike, what do you feel? Do you feel like O'Connell's bought in there? What's your pasta and meatball say? Well, Remember when we talked to him at the scouting combine, and I think this was off to the side, but it doesn't, it wasn't really off the record because I've heard him say it before. Yeah. Or I've heard him say it since then. He was excited about the fact that for the first time in years, Kirk Cousins has the same person talking to him in right. a helmet right. before the play. Yep. It had not been the same person for an extended period of time. He had never had it in Minnesota. That was one of the reasons Kevin O'Connell was very excited about year two. So you're looking at year three, year four. It can deepen. It can become more meaningful. And this is where Kirk Cousins is going to have to ask himself what he wants to do, and the Vikings have to ask what they want to do. But if Kevin O'Connell is all in with Kirk Cousins, today is the day when you're riding this wave and the Wolves are in town. Say, Mr. Wolf, let me just give five minutes of your time here. Look, probably makes sense to authorize us to try to do something sooner than later to try to keep Kirk around. And this is a perfect time to sell it to the fan base in the aftermath of that win. And, you know, if they keep winning and he keeps playing well, it's going to get more expensive. He's going to have more leverage. And the question is, after all the money he's made, how much of his leverage does he really want to exercise? I don't know, and I'm a firm believer in getting everything you can while you can. But a point my son raised last night, and I hadn't thought of this while watching the game. I didn't think about it until afterward. Hell of an audition for Kyle last night if Kirk becomes unrestricted and the Vikings cannot franchise tag him. It's so funny, the things that we report and talk about for months, people wake up to it and act like they just discovered plutonium in their backyard. <laughs> We've been saying for months the way the contract is structured, he's going to be a free agent. They cannot franchise tag him. And I've seen five times this week, like somebody woke up and said, hey, they can't franchise tag him. Yes, thank you for reading PFT. <laughs> they can't keep him from the market. So, Chris, I said before the year, if Purdy stays healthy and he keeps developing, I mean, Purdy is the young Kirk Cousins that Kyle Shanahan's been looking for. But Shanahan stood there and watched it last night, what Cousins did. And he saw what Purdy did in the fourth quarter. And I just think it's something to monitor. 
as the rest of the season goes. We got nine games left for uh, the 49ers, or ten games left. Ten games left for the 49ers. Ten games left for the Vikings. I I don't think we can just dismiss the possibility that Kyle finally tries to reel Kirk in. All the more reason for the Vikings to maybe, you know, dig into the couch cushions and uh, maybe come up with some money to to get Kirk Cousins extended. Because the closer he gets to free agents, if he's playing like this, somebody else is going to want him. And that somebody else could be Kyle Shanahan. Yeah, I hear you. You know, I think it's a little too early to go there still. I mean, Brock Purdy is, I, I think, still, you know, got, got open. It's, got, door's I, open. I hear you. Door wasn't open. I hear you. Door's open. I know what you mean. And we'll see. I think a big part of how Purdy finishes this year, plays these last, you know, 10 games and all that, uh, it, it'll it'll filter itself out. It's He's not even going to have to make a decision. Because if it, you know, it goes back to the way it was, and Purdy, you know, plays well, and they win football games, it's going to be right. N- no decision to be made. Purdy's the guy; he's the new Kirk Cousins going forward, like you said. But if it starts to be like, wait, what well, we saw the last two weeks, and a little consistently that, I mean, could, again, the Browns game, like I know he drove them down late in the game. He played horrible. You know, last night he played really good, but played bad in the biggest moment. Uh, so so if it continues to be that then yeah you know we're sitting here week 15 and we're going man Purdy's just all over the place and inconsistent and Kirk Cousins isn't re-signed by the the Vikings then yeah maybe we got something there <clears throat> we'll see where it goes um but yeah if I'm the Vikings right now you know with what you're building you know, I'd be more of like yeah I'm not I'm I'm one that you know me, Mike. I'm a believer in it's the team anyways, and Kirk Cousins is good enough to win with. He just hasn't quite been a part of that team yet that can position him that way. He's not going to carry the team. We know that. But he's a top 10-ish quarterback, right, in that general area. Okay, you just don't throw that away by the wayside for nothing, and if I'm the Vikings right now, I'm sitting there going, like you said, wait, we're eighth in the playoff race right now. You know, we lost to Tampa in week one, and we really kind of messed that game up, like kind of outplayed them and, and, and then, you know, did some stupid things there. But we can still get the seventh seed. Who knows how it plays out? Maybe even better than that. I've on then I'm kind of looking like, is there a pass rusher out there? Is there another corner out there? Is there somebody that we can get from a team that might be a seller here this week to improve our football team and continue this thing to go along? Because like you're kind of talking, I'm not going to just throw Kirk Cousins away for, well, you know, in the offseason, I think we'll trade this, 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 and this to go up and get one of these quarterbacks, and then we'll, we hope it all works out. And, uh, to me, that's that's dicey. Yeah, and uh, I agree with you, and I didn't think I was going to feel that way on October 24. The moment the schedule came out and I saw Week 7 Monday Night Football, 49ers at Vikings, I just assumed it was going to be a very long night and that I would want to, you know, be sick this morning and not be able to do the show. Uh, you mentioned the top 10 quarterback thing, and I, I have an interesting exercise that maybe we'll make time to engage in later in the program. Okay. We need to take a break. We need to regroup. We've right. 75 minutes on last night's game. There really isn't a whole lot going on, but when we come back, we'll get you up to speed on some other things, and maybe we'll have a little something on where Kirk Cousins currently fits among the top quarterbacks in the NFL. You might be surprised when you start looking through the names of how guys are playing right now. We'll take a break. More PFT Live right after this. 
a report just came out that the Eagles are trading for Kevin Byard. Is there any information you can help us with on that? Uh, yeah, not right now. Uh, let me, okay. yeah, you, you read it. Um, uh, so I obviously want to just get with everybody and, and talk before we, before I say anything here. <laughs> Philadelphia Eagles doing Philadelphia Eagles things. Nick Sirianni not wearing the awesome hoodie that he had on Sunday. And I do have a quick update there. Far more important than any news we could discuss. The hoodies are on the way. They will be here tomorrow. We will have the Nick Sirianni hoodies. Two of them, both XL. I'll bring yours on Sunday, and uh, we may be wearing them on Monday if they beat Washington week eight, as they should. So uh, Eagles came through. Thank you, Eagles. And uh, thank you, Titans, the Eagles would say. Kevin Byard, a guy who, you know, was kind of unhappy with his contract, took a pay cut, but by all appearances wanted to stay with Tennessee. Traded to the Eagles for Terrell Edmonds, a 2024 fifth rounder and a 2024 sixth rounder. And, you know, we, we always give the Eagles the benefit of the doubt because every trade they make seems to work out pretty damn well. Every move they make seems to work out pretty damn well. The rich keep getting richer and the Eagles doing what they have to do to try to position themselves to go back to the Super Bowl and win it this time. Yeah, that's right. I mean, we know they got a, a you know, one of the best built teams in all of football. I mean, there's no doubt about that. I think when you look at their football team, this was probably one, not probably, this is the one position where you go, ah, I'm not sure here, right? You know, there's definitely some questions. Blankenship's a pretty good player. He's had injuries before. They got some young guys there, you know, that I think they're just not ready to put in the trust tree and banged up a a little as well at the position. I think when you add all all that together, plus... Let's not forget in the offseason, right, Tennessee tried to get Kevin Bayard to take a pay cut. So I think they're, you know, kind of on the outs with him anyways, maybe in the process of, like you said you said earlier, refurbishing, replenishing their football team here and worrying about that. And I think they looked at it and like, wait, he's not a part of our long-term future here, right? Uh, he's a good player. I don't know if we want to pay him more money going forward and the Philadelphia Eagles had a real need here and I think it's a, a great move by Philadelphia because the guy's still a really good football player you know is he all pro safety do in- I don't know about that but he is damn good do you interpret this as a waving of the of the white flag by the Titans and a sign that if somebody wants Derrick Henry they should make a call there was reporting back in March that Henry possibly could be traded. He's in the last year of his contract. I, that was my first thought when I saw the Titans pull the trigger on getting rid of one of their better players. Are they in sell mode, and can Henry be had? I think so. I think they're in sell mode. You look at where they are right now as a football team, and you go, wait, they're 2-4, and four, right? Ryan Tannehill's hurt. Their offense has, it, it. we know, needs players, needs people. There's not enough there. You know, we could talk about Ryan Tannehill all we want here and all that. And I know he's no superstar, but there's not much else, right? We know that, you know, in prior years, draft and free agency, there's been some bad picks and some bad spending on money uh, by the old GM there. 
So yeah, I think I think Tennessee's in the kind of the mode of we're not going to the Super Bowl this year. It'd be a miracle if we went in the playoffs, and I don't even think that's happening. And yeah, I think they're going to be sellers here. Uh, you know, this last week here before the trade deadline. One of the great unknowns is where the owner stands on the current organization. Yeah, is the owner willing to do a little tear down? Is the owner all in with Mike Vrabel? She should be. Rand Carthon is still new on the job, and maybe it is kind of a strategic movement to lay the foundation for the future. They're most likely going to have a different quarterback next year than Ryan Tannehill, either Malik Willis or Will Levis. Willis has been a pleasant surprise in his second year. Levis was the guy they moved up to draft in round two because they weren't sold on Willis. That's for next year, and so maybe you kind of rebuild, reconfigure. If you can get value for Derrick Henry, maybe you do it. Maybe you do it. Maybe one of these contenders decides. And remember, we got one more week of games, and there are no buys in week eight. Everybody's playing. So you got to get through the game. Somebody may get injured. Somebody may win a game they were supposed to lose, lose a game they're supposed to win. All of a sudden, the window opens for a Derrick Henry trade between now and 4 o'clock Eastern next Tuesday. So I'm watching the Titans, and I'm watching Derrick Henry or anybody else they have that they may want to move on from. Let's take a break. When we return. Troy Aikman made a comment last night that we hear from time to time. And it's easy to say so-and-so is a top 10 quarterback until you start identifying the rest of the top 10, and sometimes you end up with 20 when you do that. We're going to look at the question of whether right now number eight for the Vikings is in the top 10 in the NFL. That's next on PFT Live. All right, last night during the broadcast of 49ers Vikings, Troy Aikman said at one point in my book, Kirk Cousins is a top 10 quarterback. And I always scoff at that because you need to look at the rest of the quarterbacks to truly understand who is a top 10 quarterback. So as I was trying to fall asleep last night, it was difficult because I was excited. I was happy, even though I was exhausted from traveling home and working. I was was blowing the horn, baby. Um, I was running through in my brain yes. the, the other quarterbacks right now. Right. Right now. Aaron right. Rodgers doesn't get on the list right yeah. now because he's not playing. I'm talking about the guys playing okay. right now. Okay. Chris. I knew this was going to go there. And as soon as Troy said this last night, I said, damn, here we go. Freaking lists, right? And it's going to be all about this, and people are going to talk about this, and somebody's going to ask me, hey, what's your top ten right now? You do quarterback lists every year. I did not think Florio was the one that was going to come at me here on a, on a do, Tuesday Do you not want to do it? Do you not <laughs> no, do no, it? I'm all good. I'm all good. talk about no. Jim Harbaugh and the Michigan football program in shambles? Maybe you would. Maybe you would. <laughs> we got, um, yeah, we got fun. <laughs> yeah, um... Okay, so yeah. let, let's do this. And oh. I always break it down in my brain because after 50 years of following the NFL, the divisions are, are burned into my brain, and that's how I think of the teams. And I go AFC, East, North, Southwest, NFC, East, North, Southwest. That's how I was cycling through it last night. So let's start, and let's just do right now, very qualitative, very loose, which one – would you rather have? And we don't have to do all of them because there's some like well, we're not going to say but, Zach Wilson over Kirk Cousins. Let me let me respect. let me or, just or, say this way. Go ahead. I think we could make it simple here. I think we could throw out eight guys right off the bat that are we know are our top ten. Okay, I don't, and I think, okay, and then we go. All right, so top ten right now. Top ten right now, right? 
So all right, we're still do it. Let's just let me throw the names out. At least of my my here's eight that I think are no brainers that, that I would all put right. in the top ten. All right, Mahomes, right? We I know, go. right? Mahomes, right. right? Josh Allen, Burrow, right? Lamar, Jalen Hurts, Justin Herbert, Trevor Lawrence. Matthew Stafford. Those to me are eight right there that I would go. They're in my top 10. Now there's two spots left and that's where you get into Tua, Kirk Cousins, Jared Goff, maybe Brock Purdy, right? And, you know, if we're going to be maybe nice, I'll throw a Dak Prescott in there. I don't actually think he deserves to be in there right now. So no, I won't throw him in there. So let's say Tua, Jared Goff, Brock Purdy, and and Kirk Cousins are the the four on the fringe guys here. Where do we go? When I say right now, see, yeah. this is where I'm going to part ways. With okay. You. Right now, I'm leaving off Herbert. Right now, I don't know where to put Burrow. Right now. Right now. This moment. They say a prisoner of the moment. We'll be a prisoner of the moment. Right now. Well, I see. You're not going to just sell the down the river the body of work you've seen from these guys and then don't right. lump them in together okay. here with just like what we've seen recency bias. Their team has problems. Brandon right. Staley's a walking meme on social media. You got to give Justin Herbert a little bit like, eh, he is quarterbacking that team right now. Right. So it, right. it's there. It, it, it's not just him. So and Burrow had the injury and we know they've had offensive struggles. So I still think even though you said those and it's not their best year, I still think you would if you had to put your money where your mouth is, you're going to put them in your top 10. All right. So I'll, I'll stipulate for okay. the purposes of this discussion okay. that the eight names you mentioned are in the top 10 right now. Tua, I think, has to be in the top 10 right now the way he's played this year. I think he has to be. So that leaves one spot. And you know what? Yeah, if it comes down to Cousins versus Dak, Cousins versus Purdy, Cousins versus... Jared Goff. I don't even know who else to throw in there. Jared Goff. Yeah, Jared Goff. I mean, yeah. And I'd rather have Cousins and Goff right now. Right now. I'd rather have Cousins and Goff. It's Um, close. Especially after... and, And it's hard. Look, yes... It's recency bias, yeah. but it's also part of the body of work. The Lions went into Baltimore and got completely embarrassed, and Goff was not very good. Uh, Cousins stepped up and beat one of the best teams in football, the team that was number one with a gap between them and everyone else just nine days ago. Yeah. So I, I, I've never been a – oh, and we, we didn't put a spot for Derek Carr. Where do we fit – uh, he's he's um, getting his hair dyed at the salon I'm, right now. He didn't make it. I, okay. I, please. <laughs> All right. Uh, that will be fine. Um, so uh, what was my point? Oh, this is the first time I've ever been warmed to the idea of Cousins being. Because whenever I hear that, I'm like, come on, Troy. I hear you. You're going to have you're going to have 15 guys in your top 10 if Kirk's in your top 10. But right now, the way the season is unfolding, the way he's played this year. And the way he played last night. That's right. And last year. And, and, uh, yeah. and people are emailing me, oh, you're putting too much stock into one game. But there are moments that justify that kind of reaction. This yes. isn't an overreaction. This is an acknowledgement of what we saw. The Vikings won a game that they should have lost badly if we look at the quality of the teams right now, and Cousins played at a level that we have never seen him play at. Yeah. Period. Agreed. I mean, he played – he's – he, to me, you know, 
He's been dancing around the top 10-ish, right? Certainly top 12 and 13, I think. You know, again, he's not a superstar. He can't take over the game with like great physical scrambles and all of that. But like, here's where I'll pose the problem and probably get myself in a little trouble. Do 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 you really think if you put Kirk Cousins on the Miami Dolphins that they wouldn't be putting up the same number and stats? I, of course they would. Of course they would. I mean, Mike McDaniel, he knows what Kirk Cousins is. He's he's been there with Shanahan and that crew. He knows. I mean, you don't think he could handle that? And, oh, here's Tyreek open and boom and boom. Again, we saw the other night. Tua was good, but once the tricks and, wait, the reverse didn't work for 40 and the screen pass didn't work for 40 and, whoa, the wide open slant wasn't there for 40 more. What's What are you looking at to go, whoa, what an unbelievable throw? I know he threw some lob ball touch passes in there, and that's great. But, yes, I am one to sit here and go, Kurt Cousins and the Dolphins would be setting records as well if he was the quarterback of the Miami Dolphins. That that would be my first thought there. Well, and that, that gets to the point that we made last week, that when you value Tua for a long-term contract, you have to ask yourself, what would an adequate replacement cost you? How many others out there can do it? And there are times where Tua, Tua makes a throw that, that makes me think differently of him. The throw to Tyree Kill when they tried to bracket him and he just blew by it and, and it was perfect timing by Tua. Yeah, it's a beautiful like, oh, throw. Threw him. Beautiful oh, no, wait, throw. it's Tyreek Hill. Yeah. It, was, it, was a great, it was a great pass. It was, beautiful. And, and Tua, Tua is better than I thought he was going to be. So I don't. Yeah, I think would Kirk Cousins work well in that offense? Yes. How would Tua do in the Vikings offense? That's the other side of that coin that maybe puts it into better focus. If you put Tua in Minnesota right now, it might not be what it was last night against the San Francisco. And I'm not trying to knock Tua. He's doing a great job, like you're saying. I, I, I am, but I'm just I'm just trying to pose the problem more or pose the question of more around Kirk Cousins. You know, you know, and and yeah, sure. There's you know some other guys there that, of course, they would be putting incredible stats up too if they got to play in that offense with that system and those players. And here's the reality: when you look at the highest paid quarterback, yeah, and you consider the names of guys that aren't in the top ten: Deshaun Watson, forty-six million; Kyler Murray, forty-six point one million; Russell Wilson, forty-nine million. Right now, you know. Where does Kirk Cousins' expectation land financially if and when that phone call is made to Agent Mike McCartney today to have a conversation about extending this contract? What does he want? And do you hope he gets influenced by Aaron Rodgers taking himself off this board Mm. by giving back the money he gave back, all in the hopes of having some late career success with the Jets? That's all you can hope for if you're the Vikings. If you want to have a reasonable contract where you can keep Justin Jefferson. See, I think they should do it together. They should get Jefferson and Cousins done now. And every dollar Cousins gives up is a dollar Jefferson gets. And I meant to make this point earlier when we talked about keeping everything together now. I would really want to know what Justin Jefferson thinks about Kirk Cousins deep down. I would want to have an off-the-record, no-holds-barred, say-whatever-you-want what do you think of Kirk Cousins? Yeah. And would you be more productive? Would you be happier? Because there's always been that something. The Stephon Diggs tweeted his way out of Minnesota the day Kirk Cousins got his first extension after he'd originally signed with Minnesota. Is Jefferson all in with Cousins? Is Jefferson all in with what we're doing? I'd want to know that. And maybe one way to get him all in is if Cousins does a deal 
where, and I, this goes against everything I believe, because I'm go get paid, go get paid, go get paid. But if Cousins has decided I've gotten paid plenty, I want to try to win a Super Bowl, and I leave some for Justin, yes. and we keep <clears throat> him, and we got Addison, and we got Hawkinson, maybe yes. that spot that is left in my trophy room in my Michigan house for a Lombardi is going to be filled with that instead of, you know, something from rec league softball five years from now. Yeah, I, I, I hear that, you know. And I would think Kirk Cousins would be getting towards that part of his career here where, yeah, you've maximized your business leverages. You've kicked ass in that department. I mean, really. You know, I know Deshaun Watson, of course, will get – get, you know, credit for the, the first all-guaranteed contract ever, but really it was Kirk Cousins, I mean, as we know. It just was a shorter term and wasn't, you know, quite that amount of money that Deshaun Watson got. But am I wrong? Was it three years, $90 million, right, originally that was, that was all-guaranteed? So, uh, yeah, I would think that he is getting towards that category and, and thinking about that. And like we talked about earlier in the show, too, you know, again – Justin Jefferson might look at it and go, man, I'd love to pay for my homes or have a Josh Allen or somebody like that, right? But they don't grow on trees. And this guy's been feeding you the ball. And he does what the defense, you know, says and goes to the right place a lot. And you're breaking records, not Minnesota Vikings records, NFL records right now. So I hope he's happy with him. Now, Kirk Cousins, is he one of the guys? Is that they, are guys going to come over and drink some beers and smoke some cigars? No. So that's where he's not going to necessarily you know, be the man of the locker room in that department. But I've been in locker rooms where, hey, so sometimes they don't want the quarterback to be that guy. They want to be the quarterback, the nerd, get in the playbook, tell me the check. Shut the hell up. Tell me to play again, whatever. Well, I don't want to see you out, you know, being one of the guys drinking and having fun all that way, too. So hopefully Justin Jefferson is as pleased with, with Kirk Cousins. And one other thing to remember about Kirk Cousins' contract, if he leaves after this season, the Vikings take a $28.5 million cap charge next year. Ooh. If they can find a way to keep him, there's a way to massage that around a little bit. And the cap always goes up. We hear these big numbers, but the cap keeps going up and up and up and up. The market keeps going up and up and up and up, and teams continue to be fielded. So the front offices know what they're doing, but the Vikings need to at least consider the possibility of getting Cousins signed in lieu of starting over again with a rookie quarterback who may or may not pan out. And and I can't believe I'm saying that because I thought that's what they should do. But Cousins showed me something last night that made me change my mind. And uh, we'll see how it All right, hold on, hold on, hold on. More PF. No, 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 no. You got to end this the right way there, slugger. Sorry. What? Mike Florio says Kirk Cousins is a... Fringe top 10 quarterback. Top 10 right now. All right, we'll take it. Once Aaron Rodgers is back, he's number 11. All right, we'll take it. Once Derek Carr gets his hair dyed, he's number 11. Kirk Cousins, he loves you today. He loves you. He loves you. He loves you. All right, that was good stuff. I like it. That was a good combo. (laughs) More PFT Live right after this. The National Football League will be following up with the Atlanta Falcons, over the failure to disclose Bijan Robinson's illness. Now, Robinson said after Sunday's game, in which he was on the field for 11 plays and had only one touch, that on Saturday he wasn't feeling right, and on Sunday when he woke up, he was completely out of it. The Falcons never disclosed that he had an illness. 
The Falcons didn't say anything, but they barely used him. The Falcons will claim, hey, he played. No harm, no foul. He played. But come on, let's apply common sense here. And we have to consider the broader context. The fact that the NFL is stuffing its pockets with every last dollar it can get from FanDuel, DraftKings, and every other sports book that is willing to pay the NFL. You cannot allow this to happen. You cannot let a team hide a condition like this that clearly affects the availability, the playing time, and the performance of one of the players that is the subject of a lot of yeah. poor cash, fantasy football, yep. prop bets, <clears throat> et cetera. Right. And as I said yesterday, Chris, there's an incentive, a strategic incentive to keep your mouth shut. The disincentive has to be stronger than the incentive. And the NFL, I'm sorry, Falcons, the NFL needs to whack the Falcons for this hard enough that they understand next time, whether it's them or anybody else, we're not going to keep our mouths shut. We're not going to treat this like a parking ticket, cost of doing business. There are real consequences to hiding information from the public at a time when the NFL expects the public to bet with confidence that the injury report and the information announced by the teams is accurate, transparent, and reliable. Yeah, uh, Mike, I agree with you 100% here. You know, the NFL, with all their bylaws and rules, th- th- this is one we're going to just like kind of let, oh, oh, no big deal. Like, come on. That, that's not right, right? And and I look at it, too, and and just go, you know, like if I was a better and I had a significant amount of money on that game, right? I mean, it, to me, it's just a matter of time before – you look at it, and I go, well, "Who's going to sue the NFL? Like, what, what, what bored rich guy that gambles on games is going to go? You know what? I'm going to sue the Falcons in the NFL. I bet a hundred thousand dollars on a game. They're supposed to let me know the facts of the betting situation. They've hid that against me. I'm sure that's against some of the fine print somewhere, somewhere. Either way, it ain't a good look like you're talking about. Oh, yeah, come on, gamble money. We're getting billions from all these companies. We're not going to tell you anything that's going on behind the scenes that's going to affect it, but we just expect you to throw your money out there. It's a gamble anyways, but now we're even swaying it to screw you over more. Uh, The NFL has to fix that. I hope they don't come down hard on the Falcons because I think a lot of teams have done this already. I think they have to send a letter out to the all 32 teams, though, and go, if this happens again, then Mike Florio's consequences that he just talked about happen, and you're going to lose something significant. And that's where it's got to go because you're right. there's There's no excuse for this right now in our current environment. That's what happened in 2012 when former Commissioner Paul Tagliabue rebuked Roger Goodell for singling out the Saints for a cultural issue in the NFL as related to the bounty system. Everybody had them, but they found the Saints, and they made an example out of the Saints. And Tagliabue said that's not how you change culture. You put everybody on notice. But they need to, Chris, whether it's threat of litigation, whether it's the danger of someone who knows B. John Robinson isn't going to play and loads up. Sure, on all the unders yeah. on the B. John Robinson prop bets, right? And whether it's Congress getting involved, prosecutor getting involved, a regulatory agency that may get developed at some point, the NFL needs to be far more concerned about all that stuff than the NFL is. And this is a prime example of it. How they handle this is going to show us a lot about whether the NFL gives a crap about something it should be very concerned about. More PFT Live right after this.
Interesting situation happening with the Michigan football program, currently undefeated number two in the country, facing an investigation from the NCAA over sign stealing. And at first it sounded a little trumped up. At first, and I'll be candid here, I was concerned that the NCAA has decided they don't like Jim Harbaugh because they had an investigation over recruiting violations during the COVID dead period, and they think he lied to them. And remember, they were going to do a four-game suspension with the NCAA. The NCAA rejected it. Michigan suspended him three games. That's still out there. I thought, you know what, they just don't like this guy. They're going to find a way to get him. And maybe they're going to get him on something everyone else is doing. And that's possible. But 1994, they got rid of advanced scouting to save money. No one can go to an opponent's future game. And scout. Well, it turns out, allegedly, reportedly, a staffer named Connor Stallions was, and with others apparently, going to games of future opponents and seeing the hand signals, discerning the hand signals. ESPN reported yesterday that 11 Big Ten opponents have had tickets purchased in this guy's name, Connor Stallions. Yeah. And there's surveillance video from at least one stadium where someone's holding the phone, holding the phone up. Most of the game pointed at the direction of the sideline where you would be recording the signs. So Harbaugh has issued a statement saying he doesn't know anything about it. I don't know that's going to matter in the eyes of the NCAA, Chris. This just feels ominous. It feels bad. And barring evidence that everybody else is doing it, and even, even if there is evidence, I don't think the NCAA cares. I think they want Harbaugh. And it sure sounds like they got enough to get Harbaugh based upon what's been publicly reported so far. Yeah, yeah, it definitely seems a little dicey for sure. You know, one, the first thing I would say is college football, like get the hell out of here and start getting coach to quarterback, coach to middle linebacker communications. Stop the signals. You're all making billion dollars. Like get the hell out of here and up your game. Still sending signals and like get out of here. That's stupid. So up your game in that department. But the rules are the rules. And, yeah, it doesn't look good. Michigan, with all those resources they have, they already have great advantages, right? You know, they have the, the, the their phrase is be a, you know, a Michigan man. Michigan man don't cheat. That don't, that's not what they're supposed to do. And that's what it looks like. And, yes, for, for Jim Harbaugh, as good as he is, He's the king and the emperor of the Michigan football program. Be hard for me to believe that this guy was acting on his own accord and going, eh, I'll go to the game and uh, just to kiss Coach Jim Harbaugh's butt and come back with a real detailed report. Nobody sent me. I just wanted to do this on my own. Come on. Like, get out of here with that. Well, and that's the thing. Even if you don't know, like, you're either Mr. Magoo Right? How can you not know? Exactly. It's not. How even do you a, not ask that's questions? Not a plausible defense. You, you know, you've got this guy who's like becomes an Ernie Adams, where you know that the shadowy figure who kind of knew everything for Bill Belichick, and nobody knew how he got it. Like you have to, as the head coach of an NCAA college football program, ask questions. You can't just say, "Oh, well, it's like you know they just showed up." I don't know, but I got a really smart guy on my staff. What can I tell you? Sue me. I got a smart guy on my staff. Well. This is how he got so smart. Apparently, reportedly, allegedly, there was a network of people who were going to these games, future opponents of Michigan, recording the signals, and they were processing it all, making sense of it all, using it in real time to crack the code. How in the hell did Jim Harbaugh not know if that was happening? Thank you. I mean, you really (laughs) do have to be checked out 
of your entire job if you don't have at some point a little flicker of curiosity. How do we know all this shit? Exactly. So, uh, problem yeah. for Harbaugh. And he interviewed with the Vikings, 2022, Broncos earlier this year. This may be the get while the getting's good hiring cycle for Jim Harbaugh. Take whatever job comes your way in the NFL because I think that, that NCAA door is going to close on him quickly. The show is closing on us quickly. We need to take a break. We'll wrap things up right after this. Oh, get your vape pens ready. Hard knocks in season <laughs> with the Miami Dolphins. Every year now, we see the preseason hard knocks. We see the in-season hard knocks. And I hadn't really been all that interested in the first two years they did it. Last year was the Colts, I think. Yeah, it year was. Before, right? I can't even remember. Was the, it the Cardinals? Cardinals? I think I so. Remember. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I'm, I'm very interested in Mike McDaniel. I'm very interested in Tua. I'm very interested in Tyreek. Now, we have to accept the fact that it's not going to be everything we would like to see. It's not independently produced. It's an infomercial. But, but, good choice NFL films. Well done, Miami Dolphins, agreeing to do it. Remember, they did Hard Knocks back in 2012, preseason, in-season, Dolphins. I like it. I look forward to it. Me too. It'll be in, uh, yeah. When will it be? November? Yeah, I think so. November? I think it's uh I think it's somewhere around there. It's coming up soon. But yeah, I mean it's I mean great team. I mean they're revolutionizing offense to a degree right now. They got a ton of personalities. They're trying to make their mark on the AFC. I mean, we're going to get to see kind of all of that in the making. It's going to be really cool. It's it's I mean, the day's amazing. I mean, one, you Kirk Cousins, you love him. Two, I mean, you crapped all over the Jets and Hard Knocks, and here you are excited for this Hard Knocks. What the hell happened? Who did something with my friend Mike Florio? Where did he go? <laughs> I got drunk after the win last night, and I'm still inebriated. That's the explanation. Back to the bottle. See, <laughs> See you tomorrow.